podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Man there trying to stop Joe for getting himself into further trouble. It's not a bad ball for Pelle on the right side. It's Carlos Alberto. And what a great goal that was! Carlos Alberto! Maradona just walked away from Hoddle then. Welcome back to the Scoreless Thriller podcast. I'm Alex and I'm joined as always by Leon. Leon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great and I'm very happy to have this talk with you guys today. Yeah, and we're really excited to be joined by Lars Jonsson in, in Oslo from Josemar Magazine. Lars, thank you so much for taking your time to, to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So we, we really wanted to get uh, have this discussion you know, up to date because it's been you know all over the the news recently in the past few weeks and also the past month about the the potential for a boycott of the of the World Cup in Qatar and how it started in in Norway but for for outsiders where did this sort of discussion in Norway of the potential for a boycott start I know the first club who brought it up was in in Tromso but where where is the sort of momentum for this movement come from uh it's difficult to pinpoint an exact you know time and a person who came up with the idea uh, uh, or you know put this on the agenda but we uh, our magazine we've we've been I think we wrote about Qatar for the first time just after they were awarded the hosting rights of the 2022 World Cup and we were there in 2015 um, to, to document the conditions of the workers and we were there in 2018 and I think we took a stance in 2018 that uh, kind of a pro boycott, or or, or a th- think if what what would have happened if this was apartheid, you know, turn the clock back 40 years, and and FIFA had put a World Cup in in apartheid South Africa, how would the football world have reacted? And I think every time there's some news from. Uh, from Qatar, another report, for example, by by human rights organisations, etc. There's been people, you know, warming to the idea or, or jumping on the bandwagon, if you like, or just saying this this is not this is we got to draw the line somewhere, we got to boycott this, and it's been kind of growing on social media, on fan forums. You know, when when supporters travel around watching their favourite teams, they obviously spend a lot of time in the, on a bus or, or or in this country, we have to fly quite often to get to away games when you follow the team. So you hang around the airport bars and stuff. So this is the kind of stuff that they talk about, you know, the the how football is run and how wrong the whole, uh, the process of, of uh, awarding uh, or have corrupt and greedy the, the top echelons of the game has become and and that you know 
putting World Cups in, in places where, where you practice Sharia law. That is how kind of the epitome of how bad it is. So it's kind of grown, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it went off the rails a few weeks ago when uh, that article in The Guardian came out um, and when Trumso, as you said, uh, called for, a, for, for, for our national team to boycott it or it urged the, the Football Association to you know, boycott a World Cup in Qatar and urge other clubs to uh, come up with similar statements. And that obviously put it right back on the agenda. That's very interesting because I feel the kind of background conditions were the same in Germany, for example. So there was critique against the World Cup being held in Qatar right from the get-go um, after the nomination and then also throughout the last couple of years. So I wonder why do you think it is especially in Norway that suddenly that was boiling kind of beneath the surface broke out and the criticism started on that level? Yeah, uh, it's boiling. It has boiled uh, um, under the surface, and it's been mentioned on and off in the mainstream media. Uh, I don't know how that much how much coverage has been given to Qatar and similar, you know, sports washing um, type of initiatives that have been in Germany. We we, for example, wrote a long story about about, about uh, one of our stories of Qatar is about uh, the, the the workers who work at Hamad International Airport in Qatar. And which is where is is the base for Qatar Airways, and Qatar Airways obviously is a, a premium sponsor or whatever they call it of Bayern Munich, and the Bayern Munich fans they absolutely vehemently oppose having anything to do with this kind of regime. So I suppose among fan groups everywhere who's been you know a bit social, socially conscious, like so many supporters groups in Germany are compared to um, uh, other countries where that doesn't exist in the same way. I suppose, and that's the kind of, uh, on a smaller scale, we have the same kind of um, engagement with our clubs or the supporters in this country, as with Germany clubs, they're they're membership owned and so forth. The fans are a bigger part of the kind of decision-making process than than you would find, for example, in England or in in many other countries. So um, there is a... What, what needs to be understood as well is that the Norwegian football is, is a full-on democracy. Uh, that, you know, all clubs are members-owned, and that is by law. You know, there's no exceptions. All clubs are run by its members, and you can show up at the uh, annual general meeting, propose anything under the sun, really, and then the members have to vote mm-hmm. on it. And they can instruct what uh, the, the, the board on how to vote when the National Federation has its uh, annual general meeting. So... If uh, someone proposes at the annual general meeting of the FA that the national team should boycott Qatar and your club members have instructed you to vote yes to that proposal, well, you're going to vote yes to that proposal. And then if, if there's enough delegates to do that, the, uh, uh, the, uh, we will not be going to Qatar, if you know what yeah. I mean. So there's a kind of um, the route from grassroots to the top it's shorter than, yeah, the, here than in the direction many of power. Yeah. And how, and how many clubs have sort of at this stage stated that they will support a boycott? Is it most of the teams in the top flight or what, what is the kind of breakdown? Uh, I can't, I don't know the exact numbers, but there's a majority of the clubs in the top division have now come out in favor of uh, the breakdown. Oh, sorry, of, of, a, of, a, of a boycott. But at the, 
the federation or the the annual general meetings uh the decision on this issue was actually moved to an extraordinary general meeting held in june um where they're going to decide this one issue and those who vote on that are not just top flight clubs it's all the all the clubs in the country so they mm. uh, whose members consist of you know the the people who uh, uh, train the children who you know drive the kids around uh who do who have you man the kiosk at match days where the kids are having them games uh and and do administrative voluntary work for the for the club so it's all kind of clubs from the small to the big ones so it's diff it's really difficult to to see where which ones would be pro and who would be against a boycott at this moment but from the top side is heavily in favor of a boycott in fact From the, from the top side of the clubs or from the top side of the Norwegian Football Association? Yeah, from the, uh, from the clubs. Uh, yeah. yeah, the, you know, uh, the big clubs are actually in favour of a boycott. I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say uh, among the smaller clubs. But the point you, or it's good you uh, yeah, came in there and tried to... Uh, yeah, just clarify, to clarify. <laughs> because uh, the top uh, boys uh, or the top brass of the uh, FA... They are not. They are opposing. No, I can imagine not. <laughs> so uh, that's the difference there. Yeah. So, so this was raised at the at the AGM. Was it last month? And then they, it was on the fourteenth of March. Yeah. Okay, and then it was decided that you would have a EGM in June to to decide whether Norway would would go for. What has been the response of the people at the top of the Norwegian Football Federation? Because I can imagine that. They definitely want Norway to go to the World Cup. Yeah, they uh, are shaking with fear, I would say, because yeah. um, uh, they know that, you know, quite often at these, at, at, at these general meetings or the AGMs that they hold every year, a lot of the proposals and changes in policy, they're kind of skewed the wording of the proposal would be skewed in favour of how the board would think this should play out and so on. So it's quite often, it, 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 what is a democracy is, can, you can get a feeling it's a kind of a sham democracy. But when it's, when, when it really, when the people get, you know, behind a certain idea, we see a, a, a full-on democracy at play here. And that is what they are really afraid of because they, obviously, they, they don't know what this can lead to and they fear that we're going to lose, uh, that, well, they've argued, one day we're going to lose 100 million krona, which is like 10 million euro. And then the following day was 200 million krona, you know. So, uh, and then, oh, uh, if, if we, if we uh, well, if we're going to boycott, well, we first we have to qualify. And then the second one, well, if we're going to boycott, we have to boycott the qualifiers as well, because that's part of the tournament, right? Mm -hmm. So there's been this shifting argument the whole time. Um, and they've said, oh, we, we believe in dialogue, but has it helped? Uh, no, it hasn't helped. <laughs> I mean, you have the F FA president basically in the same sentence saying that they believe in dialogue and and confirming that dialogue hasn't helped one bit. So uh, they don't. They're not. They they're basically on thin ice the whole time. Mm. Uh, and and the you know the population or the football fans or the kind of football community they get that. And is it slightly sly of that they've moved it to June because now Norway has played games in the World Cup qualifying. So if they were to vote to boycott in June, surely it's more difficult for Norway to sort of take a step out of that process now. That yeah, 
Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. I tried to ask that myself. <laughs> what does this actually mean? Because that was a, that was a kind of um, key argument. You know, if we boycott, we have to boycott the qualifiers. Uh, what else? It, it wouldn't. I mean, this this was at the AGM on the 14th of March. So the president of the Football Association said, "Well, we if we boycott, we have to boycott the qualifiers because, uh, or else we it wouldn't be fair play otherwise, right?" And then himself or he he and his board proposes to move the decision to June, which is obviously way after the qualifiers had begun. And <laughs> So what is this? What are you actually trying to tell us? Is that when we come to June, you're going to say, "Well, we can't boycott now." Too late, you guys! You should have raised it before. <laughs> exactly. So we we're not we're unsure of what they're playing at, but from the fans' perspective and those who are pro boycott, we're not boycotting the World Cup itself, um, uh, or you know, we're not those uh, in favor of boycott. Boycott are not in favor of. Uh, they are in favor of playing football. You know, yeah. but they're in, not in. They 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 want us to boycott the finals being played in Qatar. Now, uh, and there's although I haven't read all the you know the FIFA statutes, um, I don't know the, all the small print, but I'm quite sure in there you will find that FIFA has the right to move the World Cup finals under certain circumstances. Say if a war breaks out, or if uh, if it's a natural disaster, or if it's a you know a pandemic perhaps. You know, all of these things that there are, mm. if and what, you know, if you, something in those FIFA uh, clauses would, would uh, come into play and FIFA would decide to move the World Cup, say, to Germany, uh, we would want to be part of that because we're not, we're not against the World Cup being held in Germany, obviously. So, um, uh, yeah. There's been a lot of shifting arguments, but I think from a fan's perspective, uh, boycotting qualifiers hasn't really been the point. It is playing football. It's cheering on your team on the graveyard of thousands of dead migrants. That is the kind of the point of this. But, but do you think that given that actually Norway decides to boycott this World Cup, uh, do you think that this will then lead to similar actions taking place in different countries? Because surely it will not be enough for the World Cup to be moved if only Norway was to not take part in that World Cup. And do you think it's likely, because you see some of these uh, very performative actions of teams that now put human rights on their shirts before games, but it's a long way from that towards the Football Association actually saying that they won't take part. Do you, do you think that it's likely that it's going that in that direction internationally? Uh, really difficult to say, but it's an interesting thing with all these teams wearing those T-shirts. Yes. Is it because the, the, the federations want to, you know, assure the fans kind of ease the tension, you know, I put ice in our veins to say, okay, we are actually doing something. It's, you know, the, the symbol, it, it, look at the... Oh, so is it all a sham or do they actually have a heart in this? We find that um, a very, we don't know. I know for a fact that a lot of the Norwegian players, they would prefer not to play a World Cup in Qatar, but they won't, boy, they, not, they oppose a boycott, but they think that is that it was a disastrous decision. So Yeah, but, but then the question, how do you show, as you said, that you have a heart in this? If you say that you're not boycotting it, but you said that it was a shame that it was actually given to to uh, Qatar, is is that enough? Or how much of a heart do you have to actually show if you take into consideration 
the stark uh, violations of workers' rights and everything that has been going on? Uh, I don't think, yeah, the Federation's heart is not, certainly not in it. Yeah. Um, and they've, as they said, they've tried dialogue and they've tried, I mean, T-shirts, if, if you want to have, if you want to make a statement, you know, you, you'd say that we are actually not taking part in this. All of these, all of these other kind of initiatives on the surface stuff, who's going who's gonna to remember that in, when, when the World Cup, mm. whoever wins, yeah. you know, is raising the World Cup trophy. Uh, but as you said, I mean, there's other issues to be raised here. I mean, you see uh, Martin Odegaard, the Norwegian national team captain mm-hmm. now, he plays for Arsenal. He, he's a Real Madrid-owned player, uh, you know, running around with fly Emirates on their shirts. Um, uh, you got Tony Cross coming out now uh, against the abuse of, of migrant workers in Qatar. And uh, he plays for the team with um, ties to, Middle, to the Middle East and so on. So this, it's a lot of kind of uncomfortable questions mm-hmm. that will come out of this as well. Boycott or not boycott, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jose you your magazine boycotted the 28 World Cup in Russia, correct? And... Yeah, we, we, uh, we didn't, depending what you mean by boycott, we're not a day-to-day yeah. kind of news uh, outlet. But didn't cover it. Uh... We didn't cover it. We didn't go there. Uh, or we, we, we went there before the World Cup in well to to uncover the um, the abuse of migrant workers at the stadium at St Petersburg, uh, where they uh, which was a it was a World Cup of corruption basically, uh, where uh, migrant workers were badly treated and uh, they used uh, North Koreans to work on the the stadium sites. North Koreans basically are slaves; they are sent there by their government in returned for some hard currency and we we um, revealed that there had been deaths among the North Koreans um, who then lived in kind of these shipping containers outside the stadium so yeah no we didn't go to uh, to Russia and in all of these uh, bigger championships we we produce a kind of a, what we call the World Cup or Euro Bibles kind of a double-sized or a bumper issue about the fourth upcoming championship and uh, for the World Cup in 2018, we all focused on kind of a historical articles about mm-hmm. the, the history of the World Cup, uh, great teams, great players and so on. Nothing about the actual World Cup that was, uh, you know, a month ahead of us. And so we'll be doing that when it comes to Qatar as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you said earlier that you went to Qatar um, yourselves to do research 2015, I think, and 2018. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering at what point or in what situation did you collectively make made the call that you would boycott the World Cup or not cover it um, in in that way? Uh, I think I, it's difficult to pinpoint because this is kind of a discussion that is you you'd have or the day in and day out within the you know the office. Uh, um, but we we took a clear stance. We've been we've been and also we've been following the, the developments of FIFA and how these uh, uh, hosting rights are awarded as well. So we, you know, before the uh, 2015 arrests uh, of FIFA uh, top echelons, we knew obviously what was going on. 
so it was easy for us in 2015 when we'd actually seen uh, and talked to people. We've seen how they were treated and, and the, the working conditions. And, you know, I can't remember the date we kind of made it official. Yeah. But it was, I believe it was after that in, in 2015 that we said, right, we can't. Uh, this is just wrong. We we should not have a World Cup in Qatar. But obviously, we're not playing football. <laughs> we're, not, we're not in the national team. But, you know, that football should uh, boycott a World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, and that's a question also for football enthusiasts, right? It's, yeah, it's not just for the yeah. players, but also for you as an individual. Am I going to watch it? And how am I going to talk about it? And how much should this narrative of work, workers' exploitation take, take take place in all of this? Yeah. I think that's that's hugely important. Um, and yeah. I, yeah, yeah, sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, a good point in that is when, when we, uh, we uh, revealed uh, the massive corruption and debts uh, and so on, um, abuse of migrant workers on the stadium in St. Petersburg. It's a good point in that because we then obviously had a bit of a, I tried to watch uh, the the kind of non, uh, the reports going on from the world, from the World Cup in Russia outside of the actual matches. You know, there's usually a lot of uh, other kind of uh, journalism going on in a mm. World Cup. You interview teams, the fans or whatever, and you have these narratives you want to tell, Right. How much critical journalism was there? Well, there was some, but not too much. And uh, not as much as we would have wanted, uh, you know, thinking of Russia's history and so on. Uh, and before, I believe it was the semi-final between Belgium and France that were played in St. Petersburg. And the Norwegian TV2, which I would have uh, broadcast, hold the broadcasting rights for, for the uh, for that particular match, anyway, and the and the commentator was standing out. There was an hour before kickoff or whatever, standing in front of the stadium, and you know, talking about the the story of of Saint Petersburg being this is uh, you know it's a historical town with great old buildings, and now behind us this futuristic stadium amalgamating this into the you know the old and the new, you know, talking about this as with some sort of uh, architectural masterpiece i mean people died doing this you know mm -hmm. nothing about this rather it's all about selling the product selling the product we have a world cup semi-final coming up here you know uh, and that's what you know what are you doing are you just are you just pr people are you not supposed to be some kind of journalists in there mm -hmm. I, and I'm, i mean we're not expecting everyone you know whenever someone touches the ball that you got to have a line or two about abuse of migrant workers. Oh, it's a great goal, but remember who built yeah, that? Yeah, statistic you know, on the side. And... Exactly, you know, you know, but certainly a certain part of the coverage of a four-week tournament must be um, uh, dedicated to non-sporting issues, right? And certainly you're not supposed to, um, I, I don't know what you would call it, you know, but, but sugarcoat. Yeah. Uh, uh, everything just because you want to have drawing as many viewers that as you would want it to in in a say before a critical World Cup match. So that has been lacking, uh, and we've not we've not uh, uh, urged other media or TV companies, for example, to boycott the 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 champ the World Cup, but to have a more uh, kind of a critical outlook of what they are actually covering. Did, did you watch the matches? I watched it. I watched almost every match. In fact, yes, I did. I won't okay. do that in 2022, though. Uh, I Why made not? That promise. 
simply because of it, this is a far worse case than, okay, yeah. than Russia 2018, uh, I think. Um, but I did watch it in Russia with um, semi-enthusiasm. But uh, it's, it, it's, it is. And I mean, that is the whole point of this boycott. Thing. It's a difficult thing. You, you're kind of on a two-edged sword the whole time, you know. Uh, I, you've, you've grown up loving this festival of football that comes up every every four years, you know, missing out on that. Uh, it's it's a difficult decision mm. to say, I'm not going to watch this. So I, I do understand that, you know, it's, it's not as if it's that clear cut. No, no, we're, not, we're simply going to boycott because it's part of it, part of, your, part of you. It's just part of our culture as well. Yeah, but of course, I mean, that probes the question because you said earlier that some of the North Korean workers during the World Cup preparation in Russia died while building the stadium. Um, yeah. And now you said that the situation is, is, is way worse in Qatar. But of course, it, it, it kind of raises the question, where do you draw the line also personally? When do you stop engaging or not watching a World Cup completely? Um and at, at, at one point is that and I, of course it's always very hard to pinpoint this down but yeah yeah i think if you look at the the way i know it know the boycott movement in norway now uh it's not just a kind of a boycott a world cup in qatar this is kind of revolt against yeah. how the modern game is run if you're going back to when the, the FIFA executive committee that gave the, FIFA, the World Cup to Russia and Qatar, you know, two of them were banned even before the votes took place. And then 16 of the 22 are, are either, you know, uh, banned from football or yeah. they're in jail. A couple of them are deaf, dead. So we, we come to a point where greed and corruption just, uh, it stops at nothing. Uh, and they gave the World Cup I mean, Russia, after all, is, is a kind of a football country. It has people to fill the stadiums in, in, to start with. You know, it has teams uh, uh, and has play, it has a national team that's, you know, uh, qualify for stuff semi-regularly anyway. Qatar is nothing. It's just a little uh, piece of land in the, in the desert with, with the, who survives on, uh, on this underclass of imported people. And so I think that it, all of this combined makes it, you know, uh, and who die, by the way, and live yeah. in appalling conditions, and they die by the pe- men in, the, in, the, in their prime, die of old men's diseases, you know, heart attacks, mm. all, all of a sudden, people in the 20s to, the, to their 40s. Uh, so I think that it, if you've if you, if you got to draw the lines somewhere, it, it stops here. The buck stops kind of here, because what is next? If this is okay, what is next? You know, stadiums built by children or, you know, North Korea organizing the next World Cup or some of the, you know, the next dictatorship that comes along. So I think there's so many things that you can throw into this. That I mean, if, if we're ever going to say no and try to take back football, this is it. If that then, makes any sense. And, and then how do we take back football? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really have the answer to that, but certainly is to s- signal to yeah. those, whoever's running it, that, you know, uh, it's, football is, is the most 
it's a global cultural denominator. It's the biggest sport. It's a, uh, it, it's it's a cultural it, in itself. A culture. It's it's not only a sport. It's a it's everything. You know. It's uh, from from um, the smallest club to to the biggest in 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 the world. And and the World Cup comes into that as as the biggest festival. We need to have the game and that culture and the, and the forefront and when we, we're thinking about the game, not maximizing profits, every single thing that we do. How do we maximize profits on this? You know, and that's when they now, you see the Champions League, although it's got nothing to do with FIFA as such, but the Champions League now probably going to be a kind of a closed league or mm. the, whatever. And the World Cup's expanding. FIFA want to have a huge kind of FIFA World Cup as a, to replace the Champions League and other type of continental club tournaments only, you know, to make the next dollar. And is that the point of it? And that, and that, whose who's, who's pocketbooks are, are impossible to empty? Well, it's those kind of countries that are, don't care too much about human rights, for example. So um, we, it's, diff, it's difficult to do, but you have to send that signal uh, somehow. Yeah. yeah, but with with this with this in mind, I was wondering within the grassroots roots movement that you described earlier, are there any ideas or initiatives of alternative clubs, uh, alternative championships, um, World Cups, whatever, anything you know that that you can to offer then... people like an alternative narrative or or message? Yeah, or even just opportunity to watch matches if yeah. they don't want to watch the World Cup matches. Yeah, yeah, uh, simultaneously. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you get like tw- you could get 12 countries to boycott and then they, they could hold a, you know a separate tournament all, all countries to which didn't qualify yeah I have not seen any of that no that would have been really interesting could have been, it, it would have gained massive support yeah, yeah. Uh, big viewership around the world um, no I don't know anything about of, of that it's more of a right the, the wrongs of the current uh, situation it's not creating a kind of a parallel thing yeah but, but but i mean take a look at historically what has happened with fifa in the last decades kind of this idea of righting the wrong is is a very big and challenging one right so sometimes i wonder whether to create alternative structures might not be a more promising pathway at least to challenge the system that is in place and then yeah. to put pressure on the people that see okay this could also be done in a different way where there's no stark workers right rights violations and maybe less corruption and hmm. the more the core ideas of, of football yeah uh yeah it's a it's a big and good question i, I don't really have the answer any kind of uh input but what uh there, there obviously have been mentions about you know you gotta start over again you know yeah. mm. get rid of fifa you have to organize reorganize but how how do you do that even you know it's a it's a tough one that but certainly football is a you know it's all we're all part of the same organism if you whichever play team you play for it's part of your uh, regional structure, which is part of the national structure, which is part of the international structure. So we're all kind of interconnected. And that's the great thing about football, that we're all part of this same organism. And that's why I think what happens at the top uh, irritates and annoys and, and makes people sad because it's so far from what they are involved in and how they got involved into it, into it and 
and what football means to them and so on. And it's still part of that same organism that you really wouldn't want anything to do with, you know. Um, and that is one of the great things about football, that the big and small, we're all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Some some people who um, oppose the boycott, I've seen arguments that actually the better way of dealing with the issue is through dialogue. I think this was also mentioned by the Norwegian Football Federation. Yeah. How do you deal with those arguments? And I presume you don't take them as uh, at face at face value. Uh, I know that the Norwegian uh, FA have been in Qatar uh, and they have met uh, workers uh, and. Um, uh, you know, representatives from the organising committee and so forth, and they've written to FIFA. But, you know, when you travel to Qatar to meet, uh, to talk to those who are working on the infrastructure project, you're not talking to any random worker off the street. You don't know. I, 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 I think the, the article in Osimar, like it, it, it uh, demonstrates this very well, where he can't interview the workers directly unless the press officer is with them the whole, exactly and it's one point there where he's he's being they start talking among themselves uh because they're unsure how to answer and there's some some instruction going the other way in arabic uh unbeknown to them the photographer that we had with us actually speaks arabic so we could actually dissect what yeah. we're saying and you know yeah. they were clearly instructed and I don't think, I honestly don't think that the top uh, uh, people at the Norwegian FA actually understand that that's the way it goes on, to be quite honest. I don't think they understand how corrupt. They, they talk of Gian, Gian, Gianni Infantino uh, at FIFA, the president of FIFA, as being uh, a leader of, uh, or someone who stands for good governance. Uh, because the guy says good governance a lot. <laughs> but, but do you, do you, do you think this is more blissful ignorance, or they actually buy into that? Oh, uh, yeah. uh, that's a good. It's a good. A good question. We, we we discuss this quite often in the office. Is it really? Is he an idiot or just malicious? Yes. Yeah. Ha, I mean. How can, the other way around, right? see, how can you not see what's going on, for example, in FIFA? We've written uh, quite a few articles on our English language website about uh, Infantino's moves, his power moves, and how he kind of instructs, you know, he, he kicks off people of the independent committees in FIFA and he replaces them with people who are loyal, loyalists to mm. him, right? And I don't, and I, I mean, do they don't. Don't they get any of that information their way? I mean, at the uh, Federation head office, you know, do they actually think that these people uh, act the way what they say? Or, I mean, is it just, are they stupid or, or just, you know, malicious? Or are they blissfully ignorant? Or do they believe it? It's difficult to, to you know, to come, come with a pr proper answer, to, to fall down a proper answer on that, really. But it baffles me. It really does baffle me that you can you think if if you look at FIFA's um, record since uh, you know since since that those um, arrests in twenty fifteen and since Infantino's been in, in place, uh, what's actually positive? Is there anything? Well, he stands mm -hmm. for good governance. He says good governance, so he must mean good governance, you know. And we go to Qatar and we talk, and they say, well, it's tough, but it's getting better. Really? Uh, you know, 
do you just believe whatever's been served, uh, you know, served up? Um, yeah. Um, so I don't, I, I honestly don't think they understand how bad it is and don't understand how bad FIFA actually is. Yeah, but if it's yeah. just because they are want to look the other way or just too stupid to understand, I've not come to a conclusion on that as yet. Yeah, because the issue that you've just described that for official visits also of media uh, representatives, they have kind of this Potemkin's villages uh, of workers uh, where everything looks kind of perfect and clean. And then you'll have interviews where the supervisor is the, also the translator and stands right next to the interview yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, but, but, but of course, you'll also have exactly the different kinds of more investigative journalism, which shows mm. the situation of the Nepalese and the Indian and the Bangladeshi workers there. Mm. Um, there's actually one documentary in Germany, a very short one, which kind of shows the stark contrast between the official version of official media outlets filming yeah. what was going on and then the investigative one. Mm. So it is like, accessible, this information, right? It's it's not some conspiratorial thing out there, but you mm. can see what's going on. So I'm wondering how how can people pretend not to know this or how can they actually not know this? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's baffling. Um, as, as you said, you know, there aren't, we've been there uh, so in our country people you know actually got to see we the first time we were there in 2015 we had the uh uh a tv broadcaster with us as well so that there was actually tv pictures we had you know live footage or not yeah. live but you know um film on yeah. tv showing these conditions so it's not nothing new uh but i don't know that they, they didn't choose to believe the positive narrative that have been spun um yeah i suppose because there is no there is no historic record that shows that a dialogue with fifa is <laughs> gets you anywhere you know for example so uh that you in now you know years and years after this has been uh, uncovered and con- have been continued to be uncovered you still believe that you can dialogue your way into uh, uh, into reform work for workers' rights in in a Middle Eastern country? I, you know, I don't know. It's baffling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then moving forward, where do you see uh, like so? If if Norway does decide to boycott the tournament in June. Do you think that that will be enough to put pressure on the countries and its neighbour to follow suit? Do, you know, the, the other Scandinavians and this sort of public push from the Norways will be enough to put pressure on other countries to actually to follow suit? I think so. Uh, I don't think they will end up with the same conclusion. Though. I saw a letter on the Swedish Federation's website the other uh, or on the kind of an explanation of where they stand on the issue, and they're totally against it, and so forth. But obviously, the uh, the president of uh, the Swedish FA is the uh, vice president of UEFA. Uh, so um, these are all football politicians. Um, there was a poll uh, in the biggest newspaper in the country now that said 55% of the population here supports a boycott. Well, that's not 55% of the kind of those who are going to vote on the EGM, mm. but among the country, like it, it's even gone beyond the football community. Yeah. The, it's beyond those in the know. I mean, regular people now get the idea how bad this is. 
Do you think that number would be higher in if you were just to poll your average Norwegian football fan? Do you think there would be higher support for that? Yes, I do think this be a, a good sizable majority, bigger than that fifty five percent. If if there were a, if there was a match weekend this weekend, which it isn't obviously, and it won't be any well because it's been uh, it won't be any matches till May now, and obviously be no fans anyway. But if there were, you could go into a ground and uh, you'd get a good majority saying we want to boycott yeah. they, they did, did pro- yeah they did the same in germany and there was a big majority of yeah. football fans and ultrasts who would boycott this yeah mm-hmm. i think if the if in june we come to the point and that man and again if the delegates now vote uh, to boycott the, the 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 fa has no choice you know but to pull out of whatever if we qualify, so a boy, they, they can't just say, uh, well, you know, the board has decided otherwise. We, they can't do that. They're actually bound by the will of the, the general meeting. I do think that would set the stuff in motion in the neighbouring countries uh, and uh, put it on the, in the, on the agenda in countries where it's certainly not on the, in, the, in England, for example, or in France or, yeah. you know, uh, that there are countries willing to sacrifice you know going for glory at the world cup and there's a lot of income and so on because they want to have a because they have a moral compass uh it, it, no no doubt it would be a, an enormous story uh you see that already i've been interviewed by or we've we are two people who work at you'll see my magazine and we've been interviewed by media all from all over now in the last since ever since that Trump's statement came out, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and kind of they've read out, you know, that we've been there and so forth, and that we've been kind of upfront about the whole thing. So we've been interviewed, uh, um, yeah, constantly, once a week at least now. So uh, by by foreign journalists from Argentina to Ireland to well, everywhere. Uh, so if if you know this actually happens, it would blow up. Yeah. Do you have any uh, further angles on that you wanted to discuss? Um, yeah. Well, with that being said, thank you so much um, for also joining our podcast. That's 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 really <laughs> um, And I, I I do have one more question, and it is kind of with with the research you've done into what has gone on in Russia, but also in uh, Qatar now. Has this had some spillover effects or that also other areas of life where you think, okay, maybe if we have to boycott the World Cup for the wrongdoings in, in, in the workers' rights, um, because surely that's not something that's only happening in football, but also when you took a look at how technological gadgets are produced or uh, chocolate or whatever. Did, did it make you more made you more make you more aware of, of what is going on? And uh, I think well. There is a the 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 no the, the no side right those who are opposing boycott or I uh, think it's a you know yeah it's bad what goes on in Qatar but you know where do we draw the line because you know the next the next Winter Olympics is going to be in Beijing mm-hmm. uh, so there's a well what about Beijing well you're not going to boycott that because you you take home all the medals right yeah. uh, but I I think that. If if you're a football fan and you you live and breathe the game and so on, I think you're allowed. You should be allowed to 
come down on, you know, draw the line in the sand, if you like, it, when it comes to how and how and how we run our game and where our championships and World Cups are being played without having to scrutinise every decision you've made in life, you know, if it's been according to my to your moral compass. I mean, and most people still drive fossil fuel cars. They ruin the environment. Ha! Well, why don't what you about? start there? Yeah, you know, what about that? And, you know, that T-shirt? People, can you be actually sure that it's not, you know, uh, made in a sweatshop or, as you said, the technical technological gadgets that are so popular? Uh, those are very uh, uncomfortable questions, really. Um, and but I, but I don't think that we have to say yes and no and ha have to be morally um, clean on absolutely every aspect uh, because we simply want, don't want football to dance on the graves of dead migrant workers. I think we can have, you know, it's super if people, you know, reflect on their own lives and their consumerism as a part of this, yeah. I, I, I think that we should allow people to oppose uh, uh, playing football in or playing the World Cup in Qatar and not being angels in all other aspects of their lives. Yeah, no, sh sh surely it's it's very important to um, not have this whataboutism where you just throw all the wrongdoings of the world yeah. onto someone who just, just wants throw your to hands up and say, get, it's it's get one well. yeah, yeah get one thing fixed um, i was just i was just wondering because for me i think it's very interesting that of course these issues are interconnected and it, it's not limited to football in and of itself no. um, and while i think it's in, incredibly important that these issues are uncovered in football of course you should do the same every everywhere yeah. else as well but i think you know tech magazines can do that with a tech industry exactly a football magazine should do that about football so uh yeah i didn't want to, to put, 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 put the pressure all the <laughs> yeah, so as the magazine we, we, yeah. have, we have enough to do already <laughs> we start covering that you know what the I, car industry I, is doing I, as well I, you know i agree i agree I, I look forward to having somebody on from the curling federation to to ask yeah. him why is he not boycotting the the beijing olympics yeah exactly <laughs> and i mean if the curling ultras or the cross-country skiing fanatics you know if they all of a sudden join a kind of a boycott the bank uh, bandwagon you know regarding yeah. beijing i'll be all for it but you know it's it's a different thing those the olympics is a tv event although skiing for example is our national sport it's still a, a tv thing i mean football is something that you live you you're at the you're at the pitch teaching kids you watch your favorite team you travel around it's it's a kind of it's a culture as well it's whereas uh, skiing yeah. is a is a pastime that you do in the winter time, and you come home and watch it on TV. It's it's it. You don't live it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I guess people maybe from 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 Austria or somewhere else in the world would, super into curling. Yeah, would, would disagree. I think yeah. you can form like a club culture and a little culture of interactions around most sports that are very meaningful for the people that play them, and Absolutely. not just TV events. But yeah, I, I I don't disagree, but I think it's not enough people it's not big enough that it's it's mm. kind of very very niche you know yeah yeah <clears throat> i don't think you know one curling club could set the world in motion to get the the curling uh, community of the world to boycott Beijing. i don't think that's going to happen sadly i wish it was the same kind of social um uh, 
you know, call it social responsibility or whatever, uh, yeah. among other, among everyone, you know, we could have had this discussion when there was the World uh, Athletics Championships as well mm. in Qatar, but yeah. it never it never came up. Not in not not like this anyway. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for uh, for your time, Lars. Where can people find more information on the work that you do and also the work of uh, Josimar Magazine? If you go to josimarfootball.com, mm-hmm. uh, it's our English language uh, website, and we've republished our Qatar articles as well, so they're uh, they're on top now, so everyone can uh, see where uh, you know see what we uncovered whilst we were there, and you can scroll down a bit and see what uh, how FIFA has run these days it's not um it's not a pretty picture yeah no i encourage everyone to at least to check it out it's really uh, really in-depth reporting thanks thanks so much for taking some time out of your easter easter break Lars. no problem yeah, have a good thanks one thanks a lot all right take care that was so interesting thank you thank you Podcast Network.